0: Better than this, guys, being
2: dudes. What's better than this, folks? It's another Friday episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, NFL Draft Analyst for Fan Rag Sports, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Joe Marino, 2017 Mock Draft Champion, just to make sure we puff up his ego a little bit on a Friday, have him feeling good. Uh, also of NDT Scouting, my Assistant Director of Scouting, also a Fan rag Sports, another NFL Draft Analyst. Uh, Joe... You are spreading your portfolio a little bit with your football coverage, are you not? Um, for, are for you fan for...
3: rag Sports, we're, we're not just talking NFL draft <laughs> anymore, are we? Yeah, I've definitely got a chance, thanks to uh, Jamie Eisner, John Owning, Michael Cates, the leadership over there on the football side of Fan Rag Sports, uh, giving you and I both the opportunity to really jump into the NFL-specific analysis and uh, you've you've seen probably a, a good mix of content coming from myself and Kyle, where you're seeing our our draft work, but at the same time, I'm writing about you know professional players, Darren Lee, and I, I did some work with uh, on Assembly, uh which came out uh, last night. Um, doing a piece on Landing Collins, just more NFL analysis to complement the NFL draft side of things. So uh, it's fun to get to expand you know the portfolio a bit and. Thankful to FanRag for giving me that chance.
2: Yeah, and uh, I actually have a piece that's dropping today, depending on when folks are listening, about whether or not the Miami Dolphins should re-sign Jarvis Landry. And um, I feel pretty strong in my convictions there, Joe. Do you have any guesses? Because we're recording this uh, the evening before, so I haven't talked to you about this piece. Mm-hmm. Any predictions?
3: Uh, predictions on what I think you are going to say about that? Correct. Um. Well, let me think about this for a second. Yeah. You've, the Dolphins have just made a considerable investment in Kenny Stills. Sure. Uh, Jarvis Landry's probably a nine to $11 million a year player.
2: Yeah, I was operating under the assumption that this is somebody that's going to command uh, at least $10 million average per year, which there's only yeah. 14 receivers in the league that can say that right now.
3: So, yeah, I think that's probably his sweet spot right there uh seems to mesh well with Tannehill I mean I think he's a player you want to have around but do you want to have what is Stills getting a year eight Uh, nine Stills is averaging eight on the dot so you're gonna have about 20 million in cap space invested to two pretty good wide receivers neither in the elite tier um he's a draft pick you like to keep your own Man, that's tough. Yep. Um, I, I think you are <laughs> going to say, I, I think you're going to say, keep them. Well, you're just going to have to swing over to FanRag Sports to check it out uh, tomorrow when it publishes. Uh, but
2: uh, I, I'm sitting a- here laughing because you, you checked a lot of the bases that I covered and touched on, talking about, you know. Going through why this is a dilemma and then the fact that the uh-huh. Dolphins right now are currently slated to be, uh, I, th- I think, $17 million
3: over the projected cap for next yeah, year. Yeah, I didn't know that. And so this also, another, I'm sure the X factor here is what does Devontae Parker look like this year? Uh, is he a player uh, that... I
2: don't think Parker really influences you.
3: Well, if Parker and then uh, is it Isaiah Ford they stole in the seventh yeah, round?
2: Isaiah Ford is like the B minus version of Devontae Parker.
3: So if those it, two it, players are not players, not direct correlation the
2: to the 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 player that Landry is in the role that Landry serves the offense.
3: No, but it, you think about viable pass catching options. Sure, I just you know how how do you spread that? I mean. Uh,
2: and I'll I, I, I'll just dangle this other last carrot here before we move on, and we could talk about coffee, um, <laughs> or or kafif. I don't know. Either way, oh, we could talk no. about something. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're gonna stick to coffee. <laughs> um, uh, Byron Maxwell and Julius Thomas combined are on the hook for I think sixteen and a half million next year, and they can cut them both with zero dead cap.
3: Yeah, well, there's your cap space right there. You're now, you're now you're at just, plus. Just food for thought. Minutes.
2: Just for thought.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm anxious to read that. Suddenly, yeah,
2: I think everybody should swing over, check it out. It's a uh, a compelling piece, and I f- I feel like I strongly framed my argument in uh, the way that I approached it. So.
3: I think at the end of discussion, at the end of this discussion, I lean more towards you say no. You gotta, you can't make that investment in. But uh, we'll see. I guess we will see. Yeah way to build hype man that's you know it's it's shameless <laughs>
2: advertising it's uh, something that we're getting comfortable here with the draft dudes is uh can't be afraid to shamelessly plug yourself uh joe you're still working on it i seem to have mastered the art of shameless tweets and Shit. uh shameless
3: uh self promotion people... crap <laughs> it's just i i've uh sometimes i just don't have an any appetite for people on twitter to uh to poke and, and uh, get into nonsense discussions. So, um.
2: well, no, I'm talking about promoting our hashtag content. Oh, I think I do a fine job of oh, that. shamelessly promoting your content. Oh,
3: no, 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 not not. The, totally yeah, that weird.
2: that's what I mean.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, shameless victory for me here in our Twitter poll that came of our podcast on Wednesday, where we bored the people with a discussion on the merits of iced coffee. And uh, you were of the opinion that it should only be served hot. Sure. We all know how I like mine. Large, cream sugar, caramel swirl.
2: <laughs> caramel swirl.
3: <laughs> I, I have no problems with this. 67% of the people on Twitter for that poll said iced coffee is delicious. So um, Now, how many of those were sorority girls? Well, I think I've done some Twitter analytics on my followers, and – the ladies are not flocking to my handle, so I find um, that hard to believe. It, it is, it is hard to believe. Um, but uh, yeah, no, really, my my demographics, for whatever reason, seem to uh, not not sway to, yeah, it's to the ladies. Like,
2: it's almost like we stick to football too much, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Uh, I, I think that people want me to. It's really, you don't want me to talk about much else because honestly, I'm I'm pretty boring.
2: Oh well, yeah, you're just not cultured.
3: That's uh, is that it? Yeah. yeah. I think, and that's I, the we've most got,
2: compelling case.
3: We've got GQ, or is was that even the name? I didn't even know the name of the magazine. GQ, Krabs over here, who's, you know, he's very cosmopolitan and dabbles in all aspects of life. So we've yeah. got the uh, we've got quite the tandem here.
2: Yes, we got Dumb and Dumber here. That's what we have. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that was a full on heel turn. Uh, if you, if you voted for, uh cold coffee's i apologize for throwing you into the bus just now but uh I, I vehemently disagree with your take let's see here what
3: do we got some we got some football to talk about yeah right?
2: we got uh we got an scc offensive lineman we got uh-huh. an SEC running back and we got an SEC
3: uh defensive back to talk about yeah. today almost like the SEC puts out the most nfl players or yeah, something it's
2: weird uh they got a lot of good football players again um I guess I'll I'll take the first one here. Uh, right. I'm going to talk about Nick Chubb. And uh, if you told me back at the start of the 2015 season we would be talking about Nick Chubb playing a senior season at Georgia, uh, we would have thought you were crazy. Uh, but unfortunately, fate has uh, a way of sorting itself out with or without uh, what you would consider logic at the time. And that's how Chubbs ended up here. Uh, was on pace for just a monster 2015, before that really ugly knee injury that he suffered at Tennessee uh, cost him the remainder of the 2015 season as a true sophomore. And I just think he deserves all the credit in the world for not missing the season opener against North Carolina. Joe, he carried the ball over 30 times in the season opener, 10 months after that knee injury.
3: Yeah, that was pretty insane. I remember that game. When
2: you really stop and think about how bad that injury looked and the fact that he sw- tore three ligaments in his knee and was still able to come back and play and go for over a thousand yards and average five yards a carry this year and have the most career carries that he's ever had at the college level is yeah. it's just an incredible testament to Chubb busting his tail and getting back to it and how special of an athlete he is. But when you watch a film, you can tell there's some instances in which that explosion's not all the way back, and that was kind of the theme of uh, the film notes that I shared over at NatScouting.com is uh, when Chubb gets north south because of his stature and because of he he's got some linear burst that's that's come back and came back early on. Uh, he was still an absolute load, you know. The leg drive wasn't as dynamic. Uh, his lateral cuts were a little hesitant at times. They weren't as explosive. He didn't cover as much ground. But on quick tosses and stuff like that, and LSU loved to do that with Fournette, that quick toss to the, the open side of the field. And uh, Chubb got a couple of those and you know turned up inside of a boundary run defender and generated a lot of yards after contact. He made a lot of guys miss last year uh, by running through them. Now, um if you're looking for pre-injury Chubb, you know there's still some explosiveness that needs to come back. He needs to be able to make more guys miss in the open field. He needs to be able to generate more missed tackles in the alleyway. Um, but I'm hoping and expecting to see that come back this year. You know, another he'll he'll be uh, 22 months removed from the injury at that point, and he played all year last year at over 250 carries last year. So um, that bodes well for Nick. I really hope that we get to see him back to 100% because I really thought as recently as the middle of October last year that if you gave me Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and Leonard Fournette, Chubb was like the happy blend of both of those guys and what made both of those guys so special as a runner. So um, before his injury... He had size. He's listed at two twenty-eight. He's compact at five ten, so he runs low to the ground. He's got lateral quickness. He's got power. He's got balance. He can absorb contact. Uh, just he checked every single box. And, and I hope another year under his belt will be able to see
3: that again this year. Yeah, that Georgia team is looking pretty strong. I think they they've got to be considered the favorites in the SEC East. Uh, yeah, they got a uh, Sonny Mitchell another running yeah. back that's pretty nice. they got a couple of NFL caliber tight ends and the, the really exciting uh, Nauta, I believe his last name was, the freshman from last year and uh, obviously Eason and most of their offensive lines coming back and some talent on defense on all three levels. I mean, uh, that Georgia team, uh, Kirby Smart really did a nice job recruiting initially and they got a top five class this year, so they, they seem to be building something there, and, and that could be a really fun team this year. Um, so uh, looking forward to see Nick Chubb uh, really make a statement this year and, and show that he is 100% back and uh, see where that lands him on the on the draft uh, s- scale of things. So uh, I want to talk about Arkansas center Frank Rag This is a fun football player. Uh, if you like powerful dudes that that finish blocks and put people on the ground over and over again, to pop on some some Frank Ragnow tape. Um, uh, entering here, he's going to be a three year starter. Um, and uh, it, when you watch him on tape, you know, it, for as powerful as he is in a phone booth, you know, he's he's obviously able to create significant space in in the run game, I really took an appreciation for how good he was in space. Uh, Arkansas has him pulling into the boundary a ton. They have him uh, climbing the second level, combo scoop, you know, scoop and get to the second level type stuff. And he is just so proficient at at taking great angles, uh, playing under control, aiming, initiating contact with, with good timing so that he's not overextending himself. Uh, and, and then he's so powerful that you know, he really uh, is second level defenders so don't have a chance against him. Uh, so I really appreciate that the movement skills that he has there. I think that's something be, that's becoming more and more important in, in these offensive lines. There's guys that that can move, but the ones that have the power element to complement those movement skills are, are pretty exciting. He's got some length to him. He's uh, three nineteen. Uh Yeah, exactly. six five three nineteen. Um and he really just kind of checks all the boxes. He's obviously the the space. I talked about how good he is as a run blocker. And then, you know, all of that shows up as a pass blocker as well, where he's got a good, strong, functional anchor, can slide his feet to mirror uh, rushers, stay square, uh, plays under control. His bend and posture is really nice. The one gripe that I have on Frank Ragnow, and I think this is a, a technique thing that can be improved, is that he just needs to be a bit more deliberate with his hands. Um, if you check out the piece that I did for NDT Scouting, uh, where I went into uh, my film notes with videos to kind of, uh, you know, marry with the, with the notes, you'll see that I shared a clip where he he's just slow to shoot his hands. He gets a little bit wide, and and, and I want to see him get a little bit more inside um, and, and shoot shoot his hands and create that initial jolt so he can win reps early. He, he's guilty of of being a little slow and not as deliberate as I like with his hands, and that allows. For the defensive lineman to get into his chest and set their hands and, and make it for a situation where they could reset the line of scrimmage and and, and shed from there so uh you know that's a, it's something that he's over able to overcome because he's stronger than a lot of people in college you know but at the next level when he's going against uh, geno atkins and fletcher cox and Su and all these great defensive linemen you know he's going to really need to to focus on winning with those hands a bit early I'd like to see some improvement there but other than that I mean I think this is one of those those high-end interior offensive line prospects who's uh, really kind of checks all the boxes a good football player if you if you want to see somebody put a bunch of guys on their ass check out the uh, Virginia Tech game the Belk Bowl he he was dominant
2: yeah something uh something about Joe and his uh butt kicker interior offensive lineman <laughs> That can move. Uh, it was man. Dead Dan Feeney last year. Now it's Frank. Right oh, now, jeez, uh, yeah, I've you, you got think- a tight, don't you?
3: Well, you know, I I do, and so for whatever reason, because you see these big mauler dudes, you know, they're they're, they're big and slow, and you know, they overextend, and they you can't say square, and you love the power, but it can't move, and and so I just get super excited when I see these guys that give me both, and I and I get that from Rag now. All right, so let me counter. I got a quick question about a 2014
2: prospect. Then, where did you stand on Gabe Jackson? I'm curious because I, li- I yeah. genuinely d- don't remember.
3: Man, I liked Gabe. I don't know if I had him as high as you, uh, but I'll have my producer look up my rank. Uh, oh, while nice. you, you you
2: are consistently getting the producer on the ball, I like it. This week's been Produce- good for the producer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's the producer's name, Joe? Uh, Joe, I don't know. Yeah, I think the Joe and Joe over there. Yeah. Um, get it done. Yeah. Gabe, I think Gabe, I had, he was my top, um, top rated film scorer for interior defense, uh, interior offensive lineman. I think he was in like the 30 to 35 range on my draft board that year. Really, really liked Gabe. I am. If you can buy, if you can. Definitely... Okay. So I'm going to keep talking about Gabe Jackson. If, yeah. I am um, almost. There. Well, you t- you wrote about KO, right? Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh-huh. So how about that pairing and um <laughs> both of those guys combined with Rodney Hudson, I believe, is the center there. Just that is just an a brutal interior trio. I absolutely love that. And I think it's interesting because if you go back over where Derek Carr was successful as a passer and where he struggled, uh go back and watch their bowl game versus USC, and USC got in his face a ton. And it really threw him off. So it's one of those marriages of where a player had strengths and weaknesses, and then you see the team go out and invest in guys that you know aren't necessarily the most fleet of foot, but those guys anchor so damn well it really doesn't matter. And they they've really set Carr up for a lot of success there. And I like what Oakland's doing, oh, but um, we'll see we'll see where Joe had Gabe Jackson ranked now.
3: Well, you, you should brought up Kalicchio assembly, and I just spent. Uh... Uh, last night watching four of his games and writing about his traits uh, for fan rig Sports, Everyone can read that article uh, right now on the site. And, I mean, that dude, man, his ability to generate power so quickly and just extend it by working his hips, his feet, and his hands in unison. I mean, that dude just uproots people and tosses them. It's, he te- just it's to- textbook. He just tosses them out of the way. Like, I, I'm friggin'. NFL defensive lineman looking like you know <laughs> J V players against this guy. I mean he, he rocks people. I yeah, mean, he's he's, fun, he's got man. those thirty six inch arms. Oh, you want a good time, just pop on some some all twenty two of uh Calicio and get some popcorn, have a good time. Uh Gabe Jackson. 41st on my board good for you Joe grade. yeah nice uh, and here's another one Joel uh Joel Joel Betonio was 33rd on my board I the, believe you the highest second round grade you can get
2: from me I believe that you had Betonio higher than I did I'll have my producer his name's Kyle um uh, okay. pull that up here real quick I can take a look
3: while you um, do I've got I've got uh, I'm something is standing out to me in a big bad way here on my board right here go get it th- 39th player on my board Antonio Richardson, offensive tackle,
2: Tennessee. Oh, uh, you know what? He burned me too, though. He okay. Had, he had that. Uh, Gabe Jackson was thirty-first on my board. Okay. Uh, so r- early too. Um, Richardson, tiny Richardson. I had him forty-eighth. Oh, I, man,
3: I feel better about yeah, this.
2: I had well, we didn't know he had that hip issue. No. Or I believe it was a hip issue. He had some kind of lower body degenerative issue. Uh, that caused him to just to go totally undrafted. Fun fact, I actually had Tiny Richardson ranked one spot above Blake Bortles
3: on my two thousand fourteen draft. Oh, 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 yeah, two other black guys here. Scott Christian, twenty three. Man, I loved his tape. That's uh, uh he's another guy that got hurt too, didn't he? Yeah. Lewis Nix, twenty ninth. Where did I have Blake Bortles? I think I'm putting my rep thirty seventh on the board. Uh Okay. Yeah. So that is not a top 5 grade on him. I feel better about that. Blake Bortles was rated uh, you know, four spots ahead of Gabe Jackson.
2: Okay. It's not terrible. It's a lot better than where he went, no. third overall. Um, right. Yeah, we were either one of us were doing that. No, none of us uh <laughs> none of us fell for that. It's interesting. If I'm looking at like 38 through 45, so there's some fud names here. I had Allen Robinson at 38. Uh I had Eric Ebron at 39. I had CJ Mosley at forty. Chris Borland uh at forty three. Looked like it was going to be a home run slot for me, and then he retired. Uh Brandon Cooks forty four, Devonta Adams forty five. Yeah. It's a nice That's, group of players in that that block is. there.
3: It is. One this is my one of mine that I hang my hat on here. I had Derek Carr thirteenth. That wasn't a hard first round grade for me at no, all. No. Not me neither. I am twelfth.
2: Um Right and behind then, Greg Robinson and Bradley Roby were ten and
3: eleven. Oh wow! Okay, I had um, Alan Robinson was twentieth on my board. So okay, so, you, I, so I had you, a first round grade. Yeah, on him. He, I was you there. did solid there.
2: We were kind of if a uh, little bit more at odds there. All right, so um, real where, quick, where did you have Justin I... Gilbert? Where'd you have Justin Gilbert?
3: I don't, Kyle. Where'd you have Mike Evans? Uh one twenty-three. <laughs> I had Mike Evans 7. I had Justin Gilbert number 9. Okay. Punch me in the eye. Okay. I had him 15, was...
2: so I can't, okay. I can't
3: trash the too bad. And the feet were good. The feet
2: were quick. They were just the technique was terrible. <laughs> I could ask you about Anthony Barr, but I'm not going to do
3: that to you.
0: Oh.
3: You know what? Anthony Barr was 35. 35, item 3. Yeah. Hat tip, sir.
2: Hat tip. That's right. Bishop Sankey was my top running back. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know what? He was 50. Well, that was a he, bad year. He was 59th. So, and Joel. to answer your original question, Joel Batonio was 64 for me.
3: I Okay, this was that crap running back year where Bishop Sankey was the first one drafted. My number – okay, I, I'm picking up what I'm laying down here. My number one running back was 63rd on the board, Carlos Hyde. And my second was number 72, Charles Sims. I think those were the only two decent running backs in the whole class. Oh, hold on. Isaiah Crowell so, was in
2: this class. Uh, I had him 80th. Okay, I had I Crowell 93rd, but a lot of that was, was character-related. I actually had James White 108. De, Devonta Freeman. I, my apologies, the pro bowler. Yeah. I had 85. Uh, yeah, we both 85. got to eat some crow there because we both Well, totally I just said he was first the running bags um, in the class. Jerick, yeah, definitely... Jerick McKinnon was in this draft class, too,
3: mm-hmm.
2: as, a, as a quality depth guy. Um,
3: 78. D- Dree Archer. Yeah, do you know that he's uh current <laughs> Yeah. No. Current property of the Buffalo Bills. Man, the there Uchers. there are some
2: stinkers here, like Trey Mason, Andre yep. Williams, um Lake Seastrunk. Lake Seastrunk was a big one. Marion Grice. Uh, Marion Grice. Grice I never got though.
0: I had oh, Grice he, like one fifty third.
2: He keep catching he was physical. I, I was I was there. I was there for yeah, it. Yeah, this was an interesting group. Jeremy Hill was in this group. At that projection for me is looking better and better as the years go by. Hill was a second round pick.
3: That caught me off guard. Um, I I had him four oh two on my board. I wasn't comfortable. No,
2: yeah, I had him two twenty, and I only did you. You did more guys than I did. I only did three hundred twenty something.
3: Yeah, this was I don't five. I did five oh one. That's crazy. I so. Should we uh, should we swing it back to <laughs> – we just spiral down a rabbit hole here.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, we have a happens, bad habit of every doing time, that, though. Every time we pull up our boards, our passports, that's exactly what we do, is this. So, yeah, it's uh, we
2: just we, uh, we get into a, a giant pissing contest on who yeah. had guys wear. Um, just don't ask me about Keith winning. I'm not ready to talk about Keith yet.
3: Okay. Another day.
2: Yeah, it's another day. Uh, let's talk about Armani Watts. Safety from Texas A&M. Huge, huge fan of Watt's game. Uh, he is pretty rangy. Joe, you know who he reminds me of now that I'm sitting here thinking about it? I've been like, thinking about it off and on all day because I did his assessment yesterday. Um, He reminds me of what some of the perception around Carl Joseph was before oh, wow. Carl Joseph had his senior year, which he was like one of the top interception guys in the country before he got hurt where people are going to associate Armani Watts with a box safety, a strong safety, because he plays the alley in run defense tremendously well. He hits well above his weight class. He's listed at 5'11", 200. So he's not a super big body, and he's going to get some of those same durability questions and play style questions that Carl Joseph faced throughout the draft process. Um, But he's rangy. I don't know if he has the same elite – I don't know if I even want to use the word elite – (laughs) high-end burst that Joseph did, where Joseph had that really notable initial acceleration. Uh, Watts has smooth transitions, and he's quick to process. Uh, I don't know if he has that same level of click and close that Joseph did, but this is a big hitter for a guy that's 200 pounds. And his run defense is tremendous. He's an ace in the run game, especially when he's playing – into the alleyway, when he's got a guy either pinned into the sideline and he's taking an angle, or he's got him pinned back in a team pursuit and he's trying to squeeze down into the field of play. If you get him out in space at the catch point, he can get a little sloppy going for big hits, but uh, he packs a wallop. He's a lot of fun. He can influence the game in a lot of different ways, and that's something else people talked about with Carl Joseph, is Joseph was only a box guy. He can't play free safety, and then he comes out, as a, a senior and covers a ton of ground. And uh, I remember seeing the Baylor game when Joseph was a junior, when West Virginia knocked off Baylor in Morgantown. And I'm watching Joseph play 20 yards off the ball, and he's playing you know, outside the numbers to contest throws vertically down the field. Uh, I think Watts can have some of that same capacity, and he's a player that I really, really like coming in
3: 2017. Yeah, it's um... – that was one that you were you were on top of that one pretty early in uh, last season. So, uh, way to way to recognize game, recognize game, real, uh, recognize real. As they is say. that it? I th- Man, game, game, recognize game
2: is also okay. it's a thing. You know, yeah,
3: and that's the thing. When I take a leap like that, when I and you know, I kind of stretch myself, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So uh, well, that's
2: what makes life fun. Yeah, you know, it you is. Try
3: new things. Get me on a podcast, so I can talk for half an hour. You never know what's going to happen. It's always adventure. So, with that said, let's wrap. Uh, We appreciate the listeners uh, letting us do another week here on the Draft News podcast. We've had a lot of fun diving into uh, the the twenty eighteen senior class and introducing you to these players. Also, keeping it a bit light here over the summer. Kyle and I trying to uh, to connect with everyone, kind of. Peel back the curtain a little bit and, and get you inside the personal side of of what we do, um, uh, you know, from a, a personality perspective as well. So, hope you are enjoying that piece uh, of the summer, and uh, we are going to be back again for you on Monday, touching on. Uh, some more seniors. Maybe we'll line up a guest. Who knows? We'll, we'll we'll play it by ear. We'll have something fun and entertaining for you to listen to as we uh, work our way through summer and get ready for some fresh football to digest. Uh, it is coming. It's still a ways away, but it's coming. Uh, uh, until Monday, enjoy your weekend. Signing off for Kyle Krabs, I'm Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast.